there was this guy by the name of Henry Dempsey. It's about 30 years ago. He was flying his 15-passenger uh, little 99 uh, turbo prop from... Actually, it was on the, the East Coast around, around Boston. And he and he had, it was him and he had a co-pilot and uh, so you know it's it's not a little Cessna with a four seat or something it's 15 seat but there was just those two in it anyway when he got to about 4,000 feet he heard this noise in the back of the plane so he <clears throat> said for his buddy to, to continue to, to to fly it and he went, went back to see what was happening and that's where the rear stairs are at so as he was there, he uh, there was a little turbulence, and all of a sudden he bashed up against the door. Well, I guess the door was not very good there anyway, not sturdy. And anyway, it knocked him, as, as he was knocked against the door, then it fell open. And as it fell open, you know, he was sucked out part of the way. Some of it was hanging out, and, and so his face was falling down. And he's holding on to whatever he can get a hold of, and he catches hold of this rail. So there he is. He's holding on to the rail. Oh, thanks, Bob. I think I need that. And and he did that all the way. The, his buddy didn't even know where he is at. He probably he thought that he went ahead and you know, he went <laughs> face first right into the ocean, and that was it. So he got to where he could get to uh, land as quick as he possibly could. And when he did, he found out there was the pilot, Dempsey, hanging on with everything that he had. And he, as he had landed on on the ground there, he was about 12 inches away. His face was from the ground oh as he had been holding. And he was still alive. <laughs> Only had a scratch or two on his hand. That's all he had. D damage done. And for five minutes, they tried to pry his hands off of that uh, cable of what he was hanging on to all the time that he was hanging on to that plane. And they had to finally pry him off. And, and uh, that's how he was hanging. Wow. With as ever much as he could. I guess you could call it the death grip, you know. <laughs> Only this is a, a live yeah. <laughs> grip. And so, you know, you can think of the wind, the suction, the gravity, and everything that's going on. And, of course, you know, it probably froze to death in, in the time that he was doing that. But it, it's kind of like us. We really have to hang on to uh, the things that God has given us. And, of course, last week was, uh, we called it the silver chain of redemption. It's, it was the love of God. And not only the love of God, but the God who has chosen us. And He called us. And He sanctified us, and then He will glorify us. So you take all of those words with that kind of thought, and then going into our text tonight where it's talking about holding on or standing firm, uh, you can have all the wind and the suction and uh, everything swirling around us trying to, to pull us to destruction, like it was Henry Dempsey, because there's a mystery of lawlessness that's that's working right now, right? And And, of course, we... Looked at uh, looked at that in Second Thessalonians earlier in this chapter too. It's already at work this mystery of lawlessness. So it's still doing. It's swirling around today, and um, we have to be strong. We have to hold on to what God has given us because the stakes are much greater. Because uh, we're talking eternal life, we don't want to be sucked into some kind of uh, uh, horrendous uh, 
death here. You know, if if we are Christ, we we won't. But uh, we won't have a physical death in the Atlantic Ocean. But if people aren't holding on to Him and His truths, uh, we can certainly go through destructive times. So after describing all of these events, these disturbing events of the end times, which He was really making them look into the future, because He's saying, you're not in the day of the Lord. Uh, this is the kind of thing that will happen. And He showed uh, the Antichrist and the man of lawlessness and the satanic miracles. Uh, God will send a deluding influence on the ones who are not believers uh, so that they will believe the lie. And of course, we, we followed all that up. But he says, you will not be a part of that. And the reason is is that God has loved you. God has chosen you. God has sanctified you. God has called you. And God will glorify you. And so, he's saying, okay, because of that, doesn't mean we just kick back and say, okay, God, whatever, you know. And, and we don't care. It's that we are to, to stand firm. And so Paul is concluding this uh, chapter 2 here with a, a section that is a, a prayer. Prayer for the Thessalonians. It's prayer for the church for the 2,000 years. And it's a prayer for us right here tonight. And I think all of us need that. Uh, we all do in certain uh, situations. He, he's given us eternal comfort, uh, good hope through the Gospel, and He will comfort, He will strengthen our hearts in every good word and work. So we, we want to learn how to stand firm in our trials. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, as we look at Your Word tonight, uh, we see what You blessed us, blessed us with, and that we can stand firm, holding on with every ounce of our being spiritually to Your truths, to who You are, to what You've given us as we go through the turbulence that life has to offer. All the ups and downs, and we know, Lord, that You get us through. <clears throat> and as we look at this, we uh, pray that this prayer makes an effect on our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Now I'm going to drink the water. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Yeah. <clears throat> I've got something right in my throat. Yeah, I kind of heard that. And decided to do that at the perfect timing. You ever notice that? to me all the time. Okay, let's read uh, 15 through 17. Hey, Nandor, could you read that? Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. <clears throat> Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, word and work. All right, thanks. We need this. We need good news all the time, don't we? We need we need uh, the gospel. We need grace. <clears throat> so here we have this section after what we just heard last week about all the stuff that God has done, and it all started with His love. And so He says, uh, "Stand firm." By the way, He starts off verse fifteen with "So then." Uh, any other translations? Anything different there? Therefore. therefore, finally. That's the therefore, therefore, right? So that mine starts off, so then, or finally, okay, as he finishes this little section up, after he's just said what, uh, what God has done, um, because of this, brethren, here's what you do. Here's what God has done, right? Now, here's what you do. Stand firm. 
The word is steko. It means to be steadfast. Kind of like uh, immovable. You know, when, when the wind is blowing hard. I had a hard time going against that wind today. I was walking towards a building and the wind was coming off the Missouri River. I think it's the coldest place in the United States. Sometimes it felt like Alaska with that wind blowing off that river. I, I had a jacket when I came back. To, I, I wore that great big heavy coat and I still freezing. Yep. <laughs> Stand firm. How come? Well, for one thing, because of the glorious deliverance and all that God has done that we just uh, read, or if you go back to chapter 2, verse 1, He says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. So not only salvation, but the glorification when Christ comes back. Uh, that would be one reason to stand fast, wouldn't it? There's a reason, because He's coming back. There's another one, and you look in verse 2 and 3, chapter 2 that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed and some destruction. So there um, he's saying that because uh, of the false teaching that they had gotten, it had disturbed them. He says, be steadfast because you've been disturbed, but you, you stay fast there. Remain there. And then also, as you go through the rest of the chapter, it develops on uh, Satan's working of error through Antichrist and uh, the future of those who will not believe the truth, as it says in verse 9 and 10. Uh, that is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Christians receive the truth. They love the truth, don't they? So, steadfast. Steadfast because of the deliverance, uh, salvation, because of uh, Christ coming back, right? Uh, because... Uh, there's always error, and of course the working of error into the ones who don't believe truth. So he calls for a stability, and that's what he's saying in verse 2, that being shaken, he says um, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure. That means what? They w Some of them were being shaken by what they heard. And so then he has a command here to persecuted new believers... And it's like, if God really loves you, you know, Satan is going to do something like this. Or yourself. You're going to say this. If God really loves me, then why is this happening to me? Right? And of course, Satan can work that way. He can get God's people to doubt God's sovereignty. If God really loved you, this wouldn't be happening. He would really take care of you. That's not kind of a, a love that comes from a God, does it? That's no? exactly what Ronnie said tonight. <clears throat> he can't understand it because his life has been so hard. Interesting. He, and he doesn't have something to stand on even though the truth has been presented to him. He, there is some kind of a little foundation that's there. Now, well, if you can have that to withdraw on. Her, he, he, 
something about praying, and she said, yeah. you know, who, do you, who are you praying to? And he wouldn't even say God then. He just said, well, there's somebody up there. <laughs> it says a lot right there. It's, you know, there's... There is when somebody needs a foundation to be on, when somebody needs to stand firm, they don't have Christ. If they don't have His Word, then they, they're on shaky ground. Matter of fact, that ground is quaking, isn't it? So, um, when those trials hit, when the heavy times of life happen, we draw upon God's sovereignty and His love. And that's really what we dealt with last week, wasn't it? Um, sovereign grace, sovereign love. Uh, his love was shed on our hearts way before we were ever created, before man was created. And we looked at that. That was before time began in eternity. God uh, sovereignly loved us, and He sovereignly chose us to salvation. Uh, so, because He loved you is the reason why we can go all the way back there to firmly take a hold upon this sovereignty. Um, to really hold tight to this love. Really believe it. Beloved by the Lord. That's what we're counting on, aren't we? So, real practical stuff there, but um, boy, do we need it. They weren't in the day of the Lord at this time. There was a lot of persecution going on with them. Uh, and it wasn't going to happen in their time, this day of the Lord, this, you know, the ultimate wrath. Uh, all believers, I think, in the church age, though, are living in a time when this mystery of lawlessness is ever oppressing. It's always at work. And so there's a present danger of deception, false teaching growing apostasy. Those kind of things are, are always there. Very present. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 16.13. I'm just going to have call on people to read. Well, I'm having a little trouble getting... Yeah, Abel, go ahead there. Thank you. Uh, 16.13? Yeah. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Continue. Might as well take verse 14. Okay. Let all that you do be done in love. So, alert. There's our stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Now, we don't want women to act like men as far as the physical element. <laughs> but we're talking about men are supposed to be strong. Men are supposed to be Something that you know they they have a firm hold here. You know, be strong, um, and then as you do that, it balances it out with you know the love of Christ. So there we get that kind of exhortation quite frequently. Let's go to Galatians five one. Exhortations that sound familiar. Jesus through the Gospels. Say the same thing. What's it saying? Galatians five one. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore, 
and do not submit against do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Yeah. The freedom of Christ, the freedom of his word. Galatians is all about the legalism and ritualism and religionism and all of the different things that uh, goes against the gospel of grace. And he says it's freedom. That's what you know. That's what set us free. The freedom uh, in Christ. And so he says, keep standing firm. Uh, when the Judaizers come in with their false gospel that sounds right, he says, you stand firm on on this truth. Go to Philippians one twenty-seven. Okay. Hit it, Bob. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or whether I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Oh, that's good there too. It's not only individuals, but individuals that come together. You know, it's the body of Christ. People that that were involved in the, the church at Philippi there. One mind, one spirit, striving together, you know, together there for the faith of the gospel. So they, you know, set set your mind on that. Uh, see that you're uh, standing firm in this one spirit, in strong. Chapter four, verse one. Is that one there? <clears throat> yeah, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. These are just a few verses. Stand firm. Well, Paul constantly says that because he knows how shaky it is. You know, we know how that wind is out there. You know, it can, it can. But don't fall down. You know, stay up there. As I was getting ready to go into the building, I was wavering. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking of this passage: stand firm. You know, walk firmly, because. If somebody's up there looking down, they're seeing from the building. If they're looking down from where I'm at, it's like, wow, man, I'm I'm walking against the wind, and it was kind of blowing me back. It was like two steps forward and one step back. <laughs> where did that come from? <clears throat> and then David in the Old Testament, you'll see that kind of thought in the Psalms. Yeah, anybody have 57.7 there? Psalms? <clears throat> yeah, Psalm 57.7. My heart is steadfast, O God, and my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Hmm. There's that steadfast as we're talking about. And that's, and that's the meaning of the word standing firm, steadfast. Oh my God, my heart is steadfast. Because of that, then we can sing praises. We can praise God if we're steadfast. But at the same time, there might be all sorts of things going on around in David's life, and there always seemed to be, didn't there? But at the same time, his heart was steadfast, and he could still praise God, even though the turbulence is incredible. Holding on there. Uh, uh, Ephesians 4.14. Keep on plugging along with the same thought. Oh, everybody knows this one, right? <clears throat> As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So there he's saying, um, tossed about, 
just like in, in the in the ocean, the waves and you know going every which way, every wind of doctrine, and build upon the the very word of truth. Those winds are always blowing out there, aren't they? Aren't they? <laughs> aren't they? Blowing smoke. Sure are. On fire. There was a Scottish preacher back uh, in the late 1800s and uh, early 1900s, and uh, his wife had died suddenly, unexpectedly, right out of nowhere, and he did a sermon. Um, his first sermon after that was, it's a, it's a famous one. I hadn't heard it before until recently here. When life tumbles in, what then? And uh, here's what he concluded. Here's what was in that, that sermon. I don't think you need to be afraid of life. Our hearts are very frail, and there are places where the road is very steep and very lonely. But we have a wonderful God, and as Paul puts it, what can separate us from His love? Not death, he says, immediately. Pushing that aside at once as the most obvious of all impossibilities. No, not death. For standing in the roaring of the Jordan, cold to the heart with its dreadful chill and very conscious of the terror of its rushing I too like hopeful Pilgrim's Progress can call back to you who one day in your turn will have to cross it here it is be of good cheer my brother for I feel the bottom and it is sound have you ever heard of hitting rock bottom sometimes we have to hit the lowest and that is where it is sound. <laughs> yeah, I that it's was the quietest too. What's that? So it's the sound and the most quietest place to be. It's that rock bottom. God can take us there. And that's when we're really trusting in Him. And uh, well, we, we go through things, but st- keep standing firm as you're on that, that bottom even, right? <laughs> it's sound. It's solid. The bottom is not the grave. Yeah, that's right. So now we've seen like standing firm. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions. Hold on. Word there is krateo, and it means to. It's dealing with strength. It's dealing with um, prevailing. To hold on tightly. Again, same kind of thought. Isn't it? Firm grip. When it's talking about traditions, what is it meaning? By We're hitting right there. Oh, okay. We're hitting right there. Right on. Yeah, we have to touch on that. Because right. uh, it's not and, the traditions of man that right. the Pharisees had. Right. It, it, and it's the means for standing firm. This mm-hmm. is how we do it. You say, well, how can I stand firm? You don't understand what I'm going through. Here's here's your means right here. It's tr- And he's the word traditions. The word is paradosis. It means a handing down, a passing on, And if you take it from an earthly view, a worldly view, when you hear that word, a lot of times it's not too, uh, it's not very helpful. Uh, Traditions can be okay, they can be good, as long as they go along with truth and scripture, it's okay. Traditions of men, though, can uh, take the place of the traditions that Paul is talking about. There's a negative. And he wasn't meaning that it's uh, like what in the modern English would be. And by the way, we see these, this word tradition throughout the New Testament a lot. Jesus spoke about it in the negative sense in Matthew 15, 2 through 6. 
he addresses uh, some of the religious people and their traditions, and they're talking about their washing their hands. Now, that's a good thing to do, to wash your hands yeah. before you eat. But there was a ritual, and I mean, they they would go through these the detail of it all, and they'd have they'd touch the water, and they'd go through all this, and make it run down through like this so much, and I mean, it have to be perfect, and it, it was a religious ceremony, is what it was. And he answered and said to them, "Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition?" And then he, is that the same word? Yeah. That's that. That's that same word. So that would be a bad tradition. There, um, go to Mark seven. So Jesus speaks about this tradition, and that you know you think of the Pharisees, right? And Mark seven, verse five. Yeah, go ahead. Good. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Go ahead and take a couple more verses. Okay. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do you worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. And take one more verse. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. There we go, the tradition of men, rather than the commandment of God or the Word of God. They had made their own. In the next verse. And And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your traditions. Or to see your tradition. To, yeah, to keep your your right. tradition. It's got an exclamation on the end of that on my Does it? Yeah. Well and and he very well used that. Yeah. <laughs> right. No doubt. Uh, that's yeah. making void the word that's of God. That's what my son-in-law said to me one day. He said something about churching chair on to me. He said, well, that's tradition. And I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, okay. why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah. Like on Lent, I saw a lot of people come in through the drive-thru with chocolate <laughs> on good, their forehead. And if you example. were to read the passage of the where it talks about <laughs> people going to... <sighs> Tradition. I really like the tradition of the church. And I guess that's probably what the Pharisees said too after Jesus yeah. told them that. Yeah. What was that verse oh, 13 like there, Bob? Said, yeah. You know, in that scripture you were reading there, yeah. Bob. Yeah. Where was it at? 13. Making the traditions. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition mm-hmm. which you have handed down 
and so many such things you do. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Invalidating the very word of God mm-hmm. by what they're doing. So man man made. Wow. Uh, that uh, that is not the not Jews the word of God. A, their extra traditions were written. A, what was it called? It's called the. <coughs> No, the Torah is the last, the first five books of the Bible, well, right? They had the Torah that, is yeah, the, that other the law. But what's the other book that they so they, they came up by? with those six hundred other things, or three hundred like other Canada. things? No, yeah, you're right. Six hundred thirteen. <laughs> the laws that they came yeah. explaining what. God really meant here. Yeah. Really? <laughs> well, what was it called? They call it, it's got yeah, a specific I was trying name. to remember the name. Pentateuch's the first five. So yeah, it was, was there's it, a name, but I can't remember. Is it the Torah? No, no. no. the Torah is the first five. five. That's the same as yeah. the Pentateuch. Wasn't the Kabbalah, yeah, right? Uh, well, that's some of it right there. Was yeah, was it, that was one thing that they had gotten into. Uh, and and the other, now I can't even, I can't think of it. But yeah, there, yeah. There I know in the Catholic Church it's called the canon. Mm. And they've got their, I mean, and they've got even more than what Jews ever had. <laughs> yeah. How do you justify that? You know, how do you justify We've that? always done it that way. <laughs> That's yeah. right there. <laughs> just over time, it, you know, it, things like that, you know, become... Yeah. Become the norm. Don't know any uh, other way to do it. I guess to, to make way. things right. expedient yeah. or to, to serve their own purposes, right. or you know they had the indulgences and the right. Roman Church and stuff like that. You know, think, thinking of it's a way to make church feel like church. Yes, um, that's it. Like, like I can keep on sinning as long as I go and have the priest confess to the like, priest. People have a like, preconception of what church is like mm-hmm. you know, when they see all those things that are going on. They're like, that's church. Right. And yeah. that's just like people that go in and they pray to a priest to forgive them of their yeah. sins. Yeah. Or they pray to Mary. I mean, yeah. right. it makes no sense. Yeah. They're not thinking. I have a problem with, even sometimes when we do it, we do the Our Father I mean, they recite the Our Father without ever thinking. It's like, do you know what? Have you ever read in the Bible where that came from? The Father never said that prayer. Well, there, there. Jesus never said that prayer. That was the answer to the question: How are we supposed to pray? Right. What does it start out saying? It tells us who we're to pray to. Does it say pray to Mary? Does it say pray to Paul? Pray to the saints? Pray to? It says pray to the Father, who is in heaven. Yeah, but they took it, and I think because they call the Pope Holy and Father, which I'm like, I told my friend Taylor when he was a Catholic before he converted and he denounced Catholicism, I said, you know, the, you know, they call the Pope Holy and they call him Father, and the Word of God says that no one is holy, no one is righteous, and to not call anyone their Father. Mm-hmm. And the Pope does both of those things. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of like, Really bad. Yeah, that's all. That's all part of the traditions. Yeah. Definitely. Well, the, the Pope is Christ incarnate. They all have. Each Pope has like a different weird. The Pope thinks he's God. Yeah. He does. I don't disagree. And that's why you get to kiss his little ring mm-hmm. when you meet him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is the he Holy is. Father. Yeah. Yeah. When when, on I, earth. when I served on right. jury duty, just about everybody 
was Catholic oh, there, yeah. and the new Pope was coming in during that time. <laughs> and that's all they were talking about yeah. when they were in there was how, you know, the new Pope, and they were just all so excited and couldn't wait. And, and yeah. yeah, and I think everybody there except me was a Catholic. <laughs> that's what made me think this whole town is. <laughs> uh, you, yeah. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close. Very well populated Catholic. Uh, Community, it sure is. Want to go in jail? Well, when people yeah. talk about church around here, they talk about Catholic church right outside the house. Hey, listen, Jeff City is not bad. Just come to Osage County, no, where it's 99.9% Catholic. That's right. Well, like I said, if you'd have been there at the jury duty when everybody in there was Catholic, you would have thought that there wasn't any other religion in the whole town. There's one, the one here called Judaism 101, Halakha, Jewish law. I don't, I don't know if that's the name of the Mishnah. The Mishnah, yeah. That's what you're thinking of. That. That's their own writings, that's their interpretations. Traditions. Yeah. Yeah, Mitz, Mitzvah Mishnah. M-I-S-H-M-A-H. Let's, let's take a look now at the good tradition and find it in 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 2, Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So Paul brought the traditions or he passed it down to them. Now remember, they didn't have a completed New Testament. And the Corinthian uh, letter here was one of the very first letters written by Paul. Some say it was his first epistle. Uh, at any rate, we're saying whenever he... Whenever he first came to them, he didn't have the book of Corinthians to give to them, but he gave the Word of God to them or their traditions, and it's not a religious tradition or some of those things that we're talking about, what the Catholic Church does or the, the, the Judaizers, the Pharisees, uh, the legalists and such. Um, it, it's really the Word of God. Uh, if you go to verse 23, same chapter there. What chapter? Chapter 11. And it's it's the same thing. That, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the night in which He was betrayed, took bread. There's the Lord's Supper. But He's saying, I received it, I delivered it to you. Um, and the verse 2, He even called it traditions. It's the same thing, though it's referring to He gave them these traditions that are um, truth. It's truth from God. straight from God. And He hands those down rather than some religiosity. In 1 Corinthians 15.3, speaking about the Gospel there, and he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So what he received is equivalent, or the same as, really, the Scriptures. And there he talks about he was buried and raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. This is what he received. He delivered it to them. He gave it to them. These are the traditions. How about Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. For I would have you know, brethren, that the Gospel which was preached by me is not according to man... For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, he's speaking to the Galatians, he receives 
this truth from God. He gives it to them. He hands it down. Uh, gives them really what is real traditions, right? Mm-hmm. So your First Corinthians eleven two, you'll see the word uh, tradition there in its positive light. Um, look at Jude three. Book just before Revelation. Revelation. I didn't. You said other was a a Jude. It's just a little bitty chapter, that's all. Which verse are we in? It's in verse 3. And you'll notice, he says, I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation. I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. That's what... Tradition means in its purest way, as far as truth is concerned, it's handed down. The body of truth. The body of truth. The faith. Mm-hmm. That's and the faith there. The faith is not. Hey, I have faith. You guys have faith. We're talking about the faith <laughs> right. that we all agree upon. The very word yeah. of God, right? right? That's the faith. I think that's the worst part is when you got believers in Christ who's going to be driving me crazy. And, and the thing is, we have the very Word of God, which is the truth, which is what we are based upon, isn't it? Well, it's like the worst part is they say, well, I'm a hand and you're a foot. It's like, well, <laughs> Christ is the head, so why are we still disagreeing? <laughs> We're part of that, right? Well, that's a good comeback. <laughs> Here we go again. Uh First Thessalonians 2.13. This, now, this is to the Thessalonians, which were in Second Thessalonians. In the first one, he wrote, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God, as Paul had delivered it to them, right? Which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, or the traditions of men, right? But for what it really is, the Word of God. So the traditions that we're thinking of, that Paul is thinking of, is the Word of God. So they were to cling to these traditions, the Word of God, what Paul had given to them, what he received, he handed down, and that's the means for standing firm. You mean also you mean like the traditions of like communion and baptism? And, which are based upon the Word of God. Right. And of course, those are traditions in a good right. sense. And they can turn into a bad sense. You just right. do them because you just do them. But if it's done in the biblical sense, then that. But right. that tradition. But even even as we look at Thessalonians here, not even these words that we're looking at. That's the traditions too. It's really the whole word of God. But there's, right. you know, we have tra- traditions. We celebrate Easter, mm-hmm. and I enjoy that. We don't have to do that. We're not commanded, but we like that day because it really highlights the resurrection. Or at Christmas time. Those are traditions that we do, and you know we might even have ways we decorate and stuff. It just kind of uh, gives an outward look. Is there anything wrong with that? No, but it could be. It could turn into a, something where, you know, we're we're worshiping that or putting that in front of what it is. But if if it's something that is um, doesn't go against the Word of God, and one is doing it with the right heart, and then those traditions can be okay. 
Uh, they don't have to be. If, if it's not in the Word of God, it's not there. It's not one of those kind of things that, oh, well, if you don't do that, you're sinning. You know, if you don't, if you don't celebrate on Christmas or something, then, or whatever. I'm Christian you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This, this kind of uh, makes me think of um, the scriptural references to the wood, hay, and stubble versus the precious stones, gold, mm. and silver. You know, what is really going to last? What's the oh, what's yeah. God's glorifying? Yeah. Are you talking about when they built the... I'm just talking about like traditions or uh, religion that is vain and empty mm-hmm. is the wood, hay, and stubble mm-hmm. versus right. true religion, which is, you know, or true uh, uh, religious affections toward the Lord and glorifying God, mm-hmm. you know, with true worship. It's really valuable. You know that 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 earns. Uh, you know that is precious stones. I, I forget where that reference is, but you know, are you referring re- re- referencing like Old Testament? No, that's oh, in the New Testament. Testament. That would be, I think, uh, first First Corinthians three. Okay, that's where you're at there. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's feel like a lot of that is is useless. They're just yeah. You know, be burned up. Yeah. It's talking about the foundation. the foundation that right. led Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, but the day will disclose it because it's been revealed by fire. Fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work that anyone has built on his foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though himself will be saved. Of course, that foundation is Jesus Christ. And that's really a really good picture because fire is not going to destroy gold and silver and precious (laughs) stones. It's going to destroy completely wood, hay, and stubble. Exactly. Totally gone. You notice that it said that if, you know, Mm -hmm. you build your foundation on hay, stubble and it gets burned up, you will be saved, but all that you've done will be burned up. And that's scary because that's like, it's like, uh-oh, I better make mine out of precious material. <laughs> can't endure, you know, these times. That way, when the fire does come, not only do I still get to be saved, but I also get to have this inheritance. Yeah, that should behoove Christians to uh, to want to win in, in this this race that we're running in. Uh, and those those are the kind of the there will be rewards for that. And uh, so how often does it tell us, you know, to keep you know and, and that's what this is talking about here, standing firm. That's building on uh, the foundation. It's kind of a scary verse. Well, it, it definitely keeps us humble, doesn't it? It doesn't mean we'll lose salvation. Uh, it's like one of those things it's like if your foundation stands then you get blessed you receive that blessing and like the other one your blessing is just that you get to still keep your salvation <laughs> yep. that's right well the last um, section here number two is, is dealing with Paul sweeps us back you look back in eternity and then he takes us forward to the present and all the way on into the future and 
what you do is you get God's perspective here. You get His view. Look at this. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. There's what He's done. Continues to do. But then comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. There He talks about uh, up to the point of uh, present time. Uh, what, what has He done in the past? Well, first of all, He starts with He elevates Jesus Christ here. Most often you see the God and Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you notice it's other way around this time. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father. That elevates His position. Jesus Christ is deity, isn't He? He's equal with God the Father. And so in this case right here, um, he Paul likes to, uh, I guess, give Him His full title, Lord, Jesus Christ. And so he elevates Him. He mentions Him even before the Father. Not that one is more than the other, but He is He is in equality with Him. He is deity and who has loved us. Uh, when He saved us, we came to know our Lord's supreme love that He has. And of course, you have to think of uh, what He's done. And he, you know, He's taken us from the wrath that is to come. When He broke into our lives, we heard the good news about Christ. He gave us eternal comfort. He gave us encouragement. Uh, otherwise, you know, if we look back at it, if He wouldn't have changed us, we would be laying in our pleasure in our wickedness. And we'd be facing God's eternal judgment. Yeah, so, what would the, what would the uh, Greek uh, translation then for Lord Jesus Christ here be? Uh, Lord there would would be well it would be something equivalent to Adonai but it also would be equivalent to uh, Yahweh um, um, and it's 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 not there are different words for Lord in the New Testament and I'm struggling to get it here I should know that I'm sorry Bob uh, I'm hoping that it will come to me in the next three seconds. <laughs> uh, Would it be Joshua Mashiach? Well, that would be Jesus Messiah. Yeah. What you have here is, of course, it's Lord. It's Yeshua is Jesus. Yeah. Christos is Greek. Or um, what you have in the Mashiach in the Old Testament, Messiah, Christ. Oh, uh, is that Aramaic? Uh, actually, no, that would be a Hebrew word. Hebrew. And, and you see that throughout the Old Testament, Mashiach. And then you see His name uh, a lot. Of course, when we proclaim Him as Lord, um, oh boy, this is so easy. I should have that. Um, I didn't mean to stump you. I was no. Just... Well, it's easy. I don't know why I, I can't grab it right now. It just dismissed. But it's it's a different one than Adonai, is what you're... Adonai is in, out of the Old Testament, yeah. out of the Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. And th- it would be very similar to that as we cross over in the New Testament. And sometimes the New Testament, uh, when you see Lord, it with the context can mean also uh, equivalent to being uh, the name for God, Yahweh. So um, this is the God who gives us eternal comfort. 
what God does and He will do. He, okay, eternal comfort. Look at that. Who has loved us. We've talked about that. He's given us eternal comfort. And comfort there is paraklesis, encouragement. This is right now, in the present. He's given us comfort right now. But this goes against verses um, 10 through 12. Look at verse 11. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they'll believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. And that's not comfort there, is it? It's uh, absolute judgment. And yet, He gives us comfort. He gives us encouragement. This is what Paul is praying, that God would continue to work in their hearts both now and in the future. He's praying that their sanctification that they have there, that will all be worked out in practical uh, sanctification. And uh, it's eternal. The next word is good hope. He gives us eternal comfort. He gives us good hope. Uh, and that's the hope that's absolutely certain. Uh, that's uh, that's a word that is we know absolutely for sure, for certain, that His promise is going to always come through. This is the good hope. Uh, this is like a noun instead of a verb. Yeah, yeah. Like I hope so, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Would the Lord there be curious? Curious. curious. There you go. There you go. Sorry. That's it. Yep. The Greek. Yep, thank you. That's that's and uh most often that's what you will see in the New Testament. When you see the word Lord, it's it's kurios. So it's kurios Jesus Christos. Kurios Jesus Christos himself. That kind of relates to that uh Kyrie eleison, that you know, Lord have mercy. Kyrie I think of that song back yeah. in the uh, yeah. I think it was in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they do that when in the Catholic. I think some of those rites. So curiosity is Lord. Um, Hope is actually, you know, we talked about what's in the present. Hope is dealing with what? Future. The good hope. It's the good hope. We we know that we're settling, that this is a, a total undeserved favor of having this kind of hope. It's a future focus. It's something that you haven't seen or received yet. That's what hope is. Um, look at Romans 8, 24-25. I mean, this is always encouraging to have this kind of hope. For in hope, verse 24, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? I mean, if you already have it, why would you hope for it, right? I'm not hoping for something I already have. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. You know what the context is there? He's waiting for the redemption of the body. It's our future salvation. It's our glorification. That's a great hope. And not a good hope. Until then we groan together. We groan, (laughs) yeah. Right. And of course, we hope by grace. We have this by grace. And then he finishes this off here. His specific requests are this comfort, that he would comfort you and strengthen. And we comfort and strengthen your hearts. 
That's what Paul is praying for. That's what all this is leading up to. Remember, they were all in, a, in an uproar and all the, that. Maybe the Lord's come back. The rapture's already happened. And somebody's been telling them lies and they missed it all. And some of them are really shaken. They're scared. And he says, wait a minute. So, you know, we've taken all these weeks to talk about this. And Paul did it in, in a space of a few moments. <laughs> no, sorry about that. They were smarter than we are. <laughs> I, bet they, I bet they when they got the letter they were like, oh, right. He had those bullet points. Right? <laughs> bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> they went there in a hurry. That bullet got to them and, and they needed it, you know. They, they went down with the arrows, but... <laughs> The Arrow points. Was like, See, go. I told you guys. Listen. <laughs> so, so do you see there? There, he, that's what he's really that they would be comforted. Do you think they're comforted by this time now? And strengthened. Their hearts are strengthened. And when Paul gives the word of God, it's like that. And every good work and word. And I like that as he finishes that with work and word because we can work and not ever say anything. Right. How's anybody going to know? But we can say a lot of things and never have any work to show for it, right. to be behind it. So our works and our words really mean something. People can say all the right things, but people can really be very discerning and saying, yeah, but that's not really them. They're saying it. but that... So so he's, you know, he, he concludes with that. At... Um, Anyway, I would think that by the time that he got done with this, that they felt so relieved, so comforted, and so strengthened that they were going to be able to face their everyday life, however that that was. And this is us too, isn't it? Do we need comfort and strengthening every day? I think I'd probably use that in my prayer almost every day. Lord, I need Your strength. Give me Your strength. I need Your comfort. Need your wisdom, right? Even though he gives us that in Christ, at the same time we recognize what we need. And that's what Paul prayed for him there. And as he gave the Word of God and he gave prayer, I think that pretty well took care of it with the Spirit of God, right? Here's our prayer. This is what we close with tonight. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, guys. May you be strengthened.